Do you enjoy the content that we provide at Hockey Hurts? Do you do any holiday shopping on Amazon.com? Then click on the Amazon banners on our Hockey Hurts website before making any of your Amazon purchases. We get a kickback, you get to buy something that you like, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's like the Patrick Hornquist, James Neal trade. It's a win-win. Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHurts.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hurts. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh at Walshy66 and Ryan Wilson at Gunner Stahl. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for January 22nd of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will be discussing the Penguins as they conclude their schedule of games before the All-Star break. They just literally, within the last hour, finished up uh, what I considered a pretty impressive uh, shootout loss against the Chicago Blackhawks as they were the Penguins were quite undermanned tonight. Um, some of the topics we're going to cover this week, the Zach Ronaldo hit on Chris Letang, um, what that means moving forward if he can't play, and what some of the uh, options the Penguins have on defense with Ali Mata being out for the entire season. And we'll get into some other roster moves or um, just maybe usage of some Penguins players that um, might have to be changed moving forward for them to find some playoff success. And, of course, whatever random stuff in between. So, um, Zach Ronaldo, not surprising, was it? Uh, no, no, but I said, well, yes, not su- what's surprising was he was actually finally candid. It's the first NHL player that's actually got there and said what he really thinks. Um, and what he really thinks is what pretty much every player thinks is that the suspension system that the Department of Player Safety is using is a joke. I suppose that was the, um, the enlightening thing for me is someone actually got there and said it as such. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care what they have to say. Their actions speak louder than words for me. So him saying that, I I don't care. Um, His play is rubbish, and a player who's having a Norris-caliber season is now concussed. As I'm just getting on Twitter, Chris Letang is out indefinitely. So that pretty much means concussion for the most part. What argument I have with the they take injury into consideration is if you're going to take injury into consideration, you should take the eye for an eye. So if Latang's out for the rest of the year, Ronaldo's out for the rest of the year. If um, Matthew Perot's out for six weeks with a broken arm, Castillo should be out for six weeks with a broken with, with a suspension. So you can't afford to take injury into consideration because it still doesn't mean that the punishment for the act is comparable. No, it's a bad idea. Yeah. So the the fact that they always say the player was injured on the play and left the game shouldn't matter. It it should be about what they did. So it's it's frustrating in that regards because not that this should be a problem, not that the flyers should care, but the the Penguins are now down another defenseman. And it really screws up their structure in regards to how they handle their back six. So um, moving forward, it's going to get challenging. I mean, it's a team that can't get healthy. 
No, and, you know, this is on the league. It's not on the players. I firmly believe the players are not capable of handling this policing business. It's been shown time and time again they're not able to do it. The league is weak with their punishments. They do nothing to deter this behavior. So, as always, we should expect more of this moving forward. Um, sorry and best wishes to the players that are about to get clobbered with reckless hits. Because it's not going to end. No, the, the thing that the NHLPA have a responsibility for as well, though, is that they negotiated in the CBA that every suspension six games and above can go to arbitration. Mm-hmm. So if you have a look at a lot of the suspension the league's doled out in the last 18 months, a lot of them are five-game suspensions at a max because it means they can put it out there and that's it, it's done. Um, so if the players do want to... If the players do want to start protecting themselves, they need to change that clause in the CBA and go punish them. Give the player safety department that freedom to throw the hammer. And you know I want them to throw the hammer. I've been writing stuff on it for the last, I don't know, probably three years, really. Our, your, your system had Carcillo out for 78 games. Yeah, that's because he's a repeat offender. And my system only goes up to four games, uh, four repeat offenses. It doesn't even include the 12. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with this league? So he's, he's been in front of the, the discipline panel 12 times in his entire career and has injured players, has taken players out of games. The league um, won't miss him. No, but 78 games. It's not the 78 games that he misses that's going to stop him from doing it. It's the fact that his $550,000 contract shrinks down to about $12,000. That's it. That's all he would make. He'd have to. He'd have to forego all of his salary to do that. And and that's the the issue that you've got to hit him in the hip pocket. If you suspend him for games and only put X amount of money into the players' fund or whatever it is that they do as a percentage or, or whatever it is, it's a piss poor amount. It doesn't affect these guys. But if you punish them. Like what my system does, you go, what's their cap hit for the year? So I base it on the cap hit, but there's many different ways you can do it. And you just go, they missed 22 games, that's 22 divided by 82, multiply that by the cap hit, that's what they lose in their salary. Ryan Garbett, wouldn't, would, I don't think he'd have much left in his salary either after the stuff he's done this year. So you, you get there with him. The only way these players change to do anything is via their salary. That's why we keep having lockouts. Same with the NHL. No, no disagreement. And, you know, we won't beat this situation to death because we write a lot about it. And you can find all the Cameron suspension articles at HockeyHurts.com. And and I wrote a pretty heated column about the Ronaldo Latang thing at Hockey Buzz. So um, It was skating. <laughs> if you want, you know diving deeper into this kind of stuff uh we got we got that stuff out there but um with letang being out and with um just moments ago it being changed to being out indefinitely uh penguins have some short and long-term issues on defense um because alimata is also out and he's out for the season um i guess for the sake of argument let's Let's say Latang all-star break is kind to him. Maybe he misses two or three more games past that, and then he's back. Um, Penguins will have some decisions to make. Do they go out 
and trade for a defenseman, even though I don't think their cap situation is all that great? Do they allow one of the kids to pop up and try to fill that <coughs> fill that void? Um, or somebody like Robert Bortuzzo? You want to try the Latang void with Robert Bortuzzo. Is that what you just said? No, I'm assuming Latang will be back. Just for the sake uh, of argument, eventually he'll be back. I... I think I've made it pretty clear in some of the stuff I've written. I think the Penguins, I think the Penguins Stanley Cup aspirations don't sit on the forwards. It actually sits on the back six. Their ability to get the puck up the ice to the people that score most of the gold is more important than the bottom four. And I know that there are arguments against not having four-line depth and all those sorts of things, but if this team can get the puck out of the zone and at the start of the year they were flying out of the zone, that's when they look the best. But it's because the defenseman could move the puck. So if you're going to have Latang in the lineup, so, so we say he's healthy like you said, um, you want defensemen that can get the puck out of his zone. So I say play Pouliot, I say play Harrington, I say get rid of Skidiri, and I say play Despray and Bortuzzo. All of those names I've just said can move the puck. Wow. Bortuzzo's probably the worst out of a lot of them, but the rest of them can move the puck. Skidari's not going anywhere. I know. He's he's going to play. Been playing better as of late, but, you know, overall, still not, not terrific work. But tonight, Derek Pouliot, because Latang was out, got another chance. And against the Chicago Blackhawks, he was the fourth best possession player for the Penguins tonight and did a lot of really great things, smart plays, great vision. Um, Just like you had mentioned, very good at moving the puck up. Um, He did have one pretty big gaffe that led to a chance in the third period, but um, when you handle the puck as much, is that, and you're doing so many good things, yeah, that sucks when that happens, but you know what else sucks? Having a guy out there that can never get the puck up. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 the gaff that he had, aesthetically it looks really bad, but it shouldn't like supersede all the good that's being done, whereas you get other players who just chip it off the glass and make these nondescript plays that don't do anything, um, I, 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 I view that as, as a negative as well because they're not able to push the play the other way with control. Um, did Despray play tonight? Uh, no. No, so he was out again. So who did they pair with Bortu- with, with um, Scuderi? Was it Bortuzzo or was it... It was Pouliot. Did he manage to drag Scuderi above 50%? 58 Jesus Christ. It shows you how good Pouliot is in regards to driving possession because Despray's been carrying Scuderi's possession numbers all year and he hasn't been able to do that. So you get there and you put Pouliot with an Erhoff or a Martin or heaven forbid a Latang, even you pair him with Despray and you would assume that that would push things further forward again. So the kid's got the potential. Did he get pushed around much when the puck was trapped in the zone? No more than anybody else. Because that's usually the biggest argument with playing the kids. They're not strong enough. They get pushed around. 
Um, they get pushed off the park, but I run with the argument, if we've got the park, they can't get pushed around. Was the Blackhawks in their forwards, so um, I don't care who's playing defense, you're going to find yourself once in a while getting stuck in your own end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how would you like the back six to be assembled? So try and put your pairings together. Um, Latang Martin. Yep. Erhoff Pouliot. Dupre Scuderi. So you're basically throwing one rookie in for the good rookie from last year. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping that the guy that was drafted 12 or four, however many spots in front of Mata in the same draft year can, <laughs> can help fill that void. And you've invested in them as a top 10 pick um, in 2012, so you're a few years removed. Um, time to cash in on that investment while he's still on an entry-level contract. Um, you got to play him now, though. That's the big thing for you. It's the entry-level contract thing where it helps with your cap space. And I don't, I don't think enough people realize how lucky the Penguins were when they had... Were all three of Crosby, Malkin, and Stahl on their entry levels when they won the Cup in 09? No. Crosby was not. Malkin, Stahl were, but Latang was. Yeah. So That's a pretty good show, trio. Yeah. So you get there and you go... You know, two of your cornerstone centimetre are on the cheap, and you need to try and use that in, in the back end now as well. I mean, you could see Disbrace still on his entry level. It's a shame that Marta's obviously not playing because he would be on his. Pullout would be. That's three of your top six that are on entry levels. It creates cap space for you to go Mata and change your I know he's hurt, but Marta. Yeah, well, I didn't include him because... No, but it just goes to show they got some pretty good players that um, are on the cheap. Yeah. So how are we spending the other money becomes important. Yeah. And I think there's some wasteful spending going on. Which one do you want to waste first? <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, it could be one or two forwards. You, you can take your pick. You probably know which two. Yeah. So... The biggest one that I think you and I have agreed on for a while is the old trade Brandon Sutter deal. And then usually whenever either of us say that, the, the first comeback is, well, he's your third-line centre. Marcel Gotch can't play third-line centre. He's brilliant as a fourth-line centre. But if we get rid of him all of a sudden, we've only got two lines again, and we've lost our depth. Well, the argument I have to that is if you're so worried about Gotch playing a fourth-line centre, play Spalling there. If Spalling's supposed to be as good as... Those that are loving what he does at the moment, and you can go against me on this one because I know you will, um, put Spalling in as the third line centre. But he can play all three positions. He got drafted, not got drafted, he got traded to the Penguins under the auspice that he can play three positions. Play him as a centre on the third line if you don't trust Gotch. Third? Yeah, I, that's that's my argument. Get rid of Sutter and put him across to the third line centre and filter down your, your wingers with the, whatever the piece to get back in the trade. Um, now, you are going to say get rid of um, spalling as well, so go ahead and explain to me how you're going to construct the lines if you get rid of both of those players. Well, I assume if you're trading out Brandon Sutter, you'll get some um, tangible assets back that are somewhat w worthwhile because... Um, 
for the reason many people have tend tend to value him he 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 has a higher perceived value than his actual worth is at least in my opinion um he's not a good possession player this is factual this happens every year he's in the low 40s every single year no matter who he's playing with what role he's in he's not a good possession player now what he does do is he scores pretty goals from time to time and then people forget about the larger sample size of when he's not really doing much out there um since the calendar hit 2015 he has one goal in nine games that's it what do you want out of your third line setup? I want a guy that doesn't live in his own end. So you don't need him to score. I think that if you're doing your job, you can get a guy that's not drowning and can also chip in enough offense. Not so, not we're we're not talking being spoiled by a Jordan Stahl kind of thing cuz that's not realistic. But come on. Don't be freaking 44% all the time. That's not going to work. So the the big thing there is that I know you're not a big fan of Nick Spalling, but can Nick Spalling remain on this roster if Sutter goes and do and do what you just asked of the third line center? Uh, he can be the fourth line center. Did you not? Let him go. Th- I know who you want as your third line center. Then. Yeah, I know who I want there. So that's that's how you would rotate the roster around. I'll go Crosby, Malkin, Gotch, Spalling, assuming you don't pick up an outside center after losing Brandon Sutter. Um, player usage. That is the moral of the Marcel Gotch story. How you use him, who you put him with, is the kind of um, output you're going to get. You play him with trash like Adams and Sill, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get trash. Tonight he played with Arcabello and Downey. They were the top three possession players against the Chicago Blackhawks. Two guys that can actually skate and handle the pucks. Sutter and Spalling played with um, Bo Bennett, and they were the three worst possession players on the team tonight. And, boy... To, to drag my, my man Bo Bennett down like that, it takes a <laughs> special kind of bad. Because he was bad. I saw you sent me the numbers. They he was were... tonight. He was the worst forward on the ice. But you know what? He's usually the guy propping other people up. He deserves once in a while to not have the best game in the world. But those other two guys didn't help him out at all. Are we asking too much of Brandon Sutter because they're not Crosby and Malkin and he shouldn't be expected to carry a line above 50% possession? I'm not even asking for above 50%. I'm just asking not to be buried. So what's the cutoff line for you? you 48? At least the, yeah, 40, 48-ish. Yep. He doesn't, he, he never sniffs it. I just, that's the thing. I'm just, I'm just trying to get some context in regards to what the acceptable level of a third-line center is. Because obviously you want your, your top two lines to be pushing possession. You're hoping, you know, 58, you're absolutely dominating. So if you can get 53 to 55 in a game, you know, you're doing well. So it's just trying to understand what you want out of your third line in regards to how often the puck's in the zone. 
Because I think Sutter gets pushed off the puck a little bit too much in his own end. And I think Gotch suffers a little bit of that as well, but one makes 3.3 million and one makes 1 million. So if you're getting the same results, which I think the misconception with my argument here is that Marcel Gotch is a much better player than Sutter, and that's not what my argument is here. It's you're up against the cap, you're getting similar results from two guys, why not cut bait with the one that makes more that has a higher perceived value and you can go out and get some trade assets and start to build your team a little bit better in other areas. So where would you want to build that across? Would you want to try and shore up the back six or would you like to try and get a depth forward because you're not going to get a top six forward for Sutter? I don't want a top six forward. I think they have... Um, this. I think they're set there, whereas before they weren't. I think David Perron is just a tremendous addition to that grouping. Chris Kunitz is still a very good player, despite what some people have said about him this year. Patrick Hornquist, obviously a top six player. Bo Bennett, in my mind, obviously a top six player. So you have your four wingers there, Perron, Bennett, Hornquist, Kunitz. And you also have guys like Downey and Como. In a pinch, they can pop up. So you have a little bit of wiggle room if one goes down, correct? Correct. You just got to look out for batshit Downey, that's all. Yes, there's risk there, trust me. (laughs) But that's why I want to um, add another depth forward so that we're not looking at um, Zach Sill, Craig Adams, and um, that kind of player. The if, the roster, if the roster currently fills out in the in those top twelve forwards, in those twelve forwards, uh, and players fill back into their roster spots, in theory, Adams and Sill should fall out of the lineup, and everyone should trickle down. That's the theory, but I'm not confident that no, Craig. Yeah, Adams, neither am I. <laughs> I'm not confident that Craig Adams won't play. You know, that's the thing, like. Really, after the numbers you, you sent through to me before, you'd assume Archibello and um, Gotch would, would stay in the lineup with the way they're structuring it up at the moment with Sutter still in the lineup. So it, it's it's a little baffling at times when it's it's quite obvious that the teams change the way they've played and some of the players that are still on the roster quite clearly cannot play that way, yet they're still getting a game. But um, I guess specifically speaking, like a guy that I think um, you'd target if you were willing to move salary out like Sutter, and I'm not saying that Sutter would be involved within the same deal, Yep. but um, Sean Bergenheim of Florida Panthers is playing great hockey for them, but for some reason they are healthy scratching him because I think they um, they want to get use their youth, which, you know, that's fine. That's their prerogative. Um, but you can maybe take advantage of a situation like that and acquire a player that is very good possession, very good defensively, and has, you know, an adequate amount of offense that he can chip in uh, in that bottom six role. And lo and behold, he actually played with, my buddy Marcel Gotch in Florida, and together they had a 55% Corsi 4 rating. 
Did they play as third line or second line when they were together? Do you know? Like, can you get that much detail? Um, I don't know if it was second or third line, but they were, they were driving play. Yeah, I only asked that because if they were second line and they were driving play, the assumption would be that they would have got slightly friendlier zone starts than what they would get being third line centers. And that can be difficult. Like you said, Gotch can sometimes get muscled around. Gotch was, um, sorry to interrupt. Gotch was a positive possession player playing the highest competition for the Panthers that year, and he had 38% zone starts. So that's 38 in the offensive zone. Yeah. Some studies are saying that the zone starts are overrated. Um, I'll have to look more into that. I only um, perused through that article a little bit, so um, we'll have to see what the if zone starts hold the yeah. same weight as um, you know they they once did. Yeah. Well, you know, if you get there and get there and look at it that way. Then there's no reason to think that him as a third line center with comparable players to himself. Like you know, Archibello and Downey, I would put in in that in that line in that list that he should be able to push push possession at least to a forty nine. Like you know, how you want a minimum forty eight or should come up when he's healthy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, technically, that the additions that are coming in should push Smalling down to the third line as well, because I don't think they're going to put him into a fourth line role. I don't think so either, but they need to fire him into the sun if they're going to keep him in the top six. This is ridiculous. Is your complaint with him his cap hit against his production, or is it just purely you think he stinks as a player? I think I know the answer. I think he's a player that understands the X's and O's very well. I think he puts himself in spots to succeed. I, however, do not think he ever physically executes the succeeding part of it, if that makes any sense. He's going to put, like, he does a lot of the good stuff. He puts himself, hey, I'm the F1. I'm I'm forechecking and forcing the guy properly. That's good. It's also a remedial skill. It's not something, you know, that's rare. I think anybody can do it. But he does it well, does it consistent, and that's what you like to see. Um, goes to the front of the net for screens. Doesn't really tip too many pucks or bang home too many rebounds, but he's there. Doesn't win any wall battles. I mean, God, that just doesn't uh, he's happen. As, he's as bad as James Neal at the wall battle, I'll tell you that. Um, he's not nifty with the puck. It's a lot of chipping. Chicken chase. Yep. Um, so I, I just don't. I don't know why that's two point two million um, worth of your cap. So if he was one million, would you be able to bear with it on the fourth line? It would be more palatable, for sure. But he's he's not that. That's all right. That's the thing. I'm just I'm trying to get a level of where you feel he's acceptable because I think that if they traded away Sutter. He would end up as the third line center, and Gotch yeah, would still. Yeah, probably perform. right. And how Gotch performs will come down to what they do with the filtration down of the additional players coming into the line. I mean, 
Sill shouldn't be on an NHL roster, and Adam's time on an NHL roster. Oh, he scored tonight, first goal of last year. I don't care. Almost took off a Blackhawk player's face with the celebration as well. <laughs> I'll have to watch it. <laughs> um, no, I, I, congratulations. That is a, a, a good moment for him. But um, you can't change, it doesn't change my evaluation. Yeah, you can't begrudge someone scoring their first goal. I mean, that's that's awesome. I mean, it's something I'll never get to do, and you, you've got to tip your hat to him. He managed to get to the NHL level and, and score a goal, so... That's great, but in regards to the long-term effect for the Penguins, he shouldn't be on the roster. No, he shouldn't be on anybody's. <laughs> I, I, I would argue he's not good enough to be on the Sabres. That's a big call. No, it's not. He's terrible. Does nothing well. Where the, what, what does he do well? It's not puck skills. It's not skating. He's supposed to be big physical, yeah, all that stuff. Where, where the hell was he against the Flyers? That's a totally different argument in regards to the whole deterrent. I don't agree that there is a deterrent, but this myth that it exists, isn't he the kind of guy that's supposed to be that person? Well, that's the thing. I mean, isn't Farnham supposed to be a part of that set as well? Well, we both agree. It's a myth. Yeah. But Because if that, if that myth were true... Sill doesn't Renal, even go through the motions of Renal, pretending. Um, well, didn't Scuderi fight in the game yesterday as well? Yeah, because I mean, he threw a clean hip check. Yeah, he shouldn't be the one thrown down. Someone should jump in for him and get that third man in penalty if you're going to get there and use physicality to protect your teammate. And that's another thing that frustrates the hell out of me. The immediate fight because there was a clean hit. It didn't think... happen tonight. I know you didn't see the game, but Paul Martin drilled a guy with a hip check and play just went on. Same situation as last night. Um, Voracek couldn't, couldn't take a clean hit, decided he'd... Have to attack Skidari. The Blackhawk tonight, same thing. Martin got him. Wasn't didn't low bridge him. Nice clean, classic hip check. Guess what? Play went on. Nothing happened. Great game. That was, that was the thing that annoyed the hell out of me about. I think Malcolm went tried to go Dion Fanouf earlier in the year after Fanouf lit up Honk was clean. Like there was no need to do it. It was a clean hit. And it's like move on. Go and do something else. There's no need. That's not helping your team. You know, sticking up for a clean hit. It happens. Just move on. I'm glad to... And notice how it's the Chicago Blackhawks that just went, yep, whatever, keep going? Yeah, nothing yeah. happened. Admittedly, Castillo wasn't in the game. Yeah, he's suspended for 78 games. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you're right. He wasn't. Go figure. People can make play hockey plays and, and just play hockey when idiots aren't in the game. Mm. How did we no. get back on this? That's silly. No. Um, you know, that's just how I view these things. I want value, and I don't think Brandon Sutter's good value. Um, if they ride it out with him for the rest of the year, so be it. I mean, they probably will. I was going to say, I'm 95% certain they will. Yeah. Um, what they can't do is give him an extension. He's got one more year at 3.3 mil. They, they can't give him another extension because somebody's going to overpay for his last name and give him five years, five mil per year. So, with the general manager being who the general manager is, do you think he does that, seeing as he was the general manager that traded him away in the store trade? I don't think so. I don't think they'll go that route. 
I, I think you may see an off-season trade with him. Yeah. But I think that you could find some teams that would overpay for his services now. And I don't think the drop-off, if there even is one, to Gotch is, uh, you know, these are just some things you can think about when trying to construct your team. You know, these are just ideas. Is it too much of a gamble, though, to take someone that's perceived as a good third-line centre away from a team that last year everyone said had absolutely no depth? Yeah, he was part of that. And then thrust that role into a guy that has only played fourth line the entire year except for a a couple of games here and there. But his whole career has not been as a fourth liner. I don't care what his penguin sample size is. They've misused him. They've grossly misused him. I think we are asking an awful lot of a coaching staff and an organization. Are we? Are we really? Is this so complicated that some blogger guy like myself can figure this out? I think it's th- I think it's this organization just being a bit slow on the uptake in regards to paying attention to it. You know, it's not complicated. What I'm putting out here is very simplistic stuff. There's still a lot of pushback in regards to using this stuff. People still like to use the eye test. They still like to see what they see. Games too. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's one of those things where you can watch the games. You can't always use past performance as a predictor. And you've said that yourself. But it gives you a pretty good idea of what should happen moving forward. And if, you, if like he said, as a Penguin, Sutter's possession numbers were bad last year and they've continued to be poor. They're, they're, they're okay. They're elevated overall. Some of that has to do with the time with Malkin. But away from Malkin, just really not So if if you get there and you put it into that context, there should be no reason why the Penguins aren't at least looking at trying to ship him off somewhere, even if it is just to open up some cap space for a different move somewhere else. They should at least be open to, you know, listening. Yeah, because I, like, I, I agree with you in that I think Gotch should go up to that third line centre and Spawnley should switch down to the fourth line centre. But as you and I said, it, it wouldn't happen. And we both think that this trade won't I happen. I think they may trade Gotch. <laughs> like, I think they're going to do the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. What, is that because he got sat in the Philly game? No, because just that's how it would go. <laughs> After you wrote write an article on, on how good Gotch could be for the Penguins and they trade him. <laughs> they trade a one million dollar guy that can play good puck when he's got proper line mates. Yeah. That seems to be I, I know Cheryl's not around anymore, but that just seems like a move the Penguins would have made the last few years. Well, it's like the They'll look at him and he doesn't um you know. Well, the least Nothing he does is sexy or, or super noticeable. It's just a lot of um, he's he's just the better version of Nick Spalling. He he does more with his better positioning. It it it, it sounds to me like it's a little bit like Christian Verhoff. He feels to me like he's like you love Paul Martin. Yeah, it, I do. It feels to me like he's Paul Martin, like a a poor, a poor man's Paul Martin in that. 
a lot of the stuff he does just goes unnoticed. And he's the, not a poor man, though. So he's right. He's right there with with Paul. I, I, I understand that, but it just feels as though I don't think he gets appreciated in regards to the stuff that he does. So the perception of him is, for four, you got a four million dollar contract at the Penguins. It's like oh, he's going to want to raise next year, and he's not going to be worth it. Well, it depends on how far that raise goes, and you know everyone seems pretty pretty confident the Penguins are going to lose Martin. He's a perfect replacement for Paul Martin. I did think they'd have at least dialogue about a contract. Well, Elliot Freeman let you down. No, uh, no, he didn't. Elliot's good. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, put your stock in somebody's reporting, he's a great guy that, you know, to put it in. Yeah, no, I'm not arguing that. He's not reporting this stuff on accident. He's, he's legitimately uh, hears things. So, be nice to keep. Be nice to keep their home around. Yeah, I I agree. It will cost more than four mil per year. That would go upwards of five and a half or six to keep him around. But it depends on what he wants to do. He's earned the right to test the market if he wants. But even if he tests the market, it'll be like a Marion Hosa situation. He was pretty great in his time here. Um, and he, you know, has the right to test the market and move on. And I don't blame Hosa for what he did. No, I mean, and if Erhoff moves on, I'm not going to blame him. He can't get a Hosa deal, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should the Penguins play Fleury less? Yes, and I did write about that. He um, he's on pace to play like eighty something percent of the games this year. What would you like him to be at? Like, if you go, there's eighty two games. That sounds like he's going to play close to sixty. Where would you be comfortable with him playing? All right, so he's on pace to play eighty one percent, or he was when I wrote the article a few days ago. Um, the average. Stanley Cup winning goaltender since the salary cap started, mm-hmm. 61.5%. So that is about um, 50-ish. Even if they play... 50 games or so. Even if they play Grice one in every four games the rest of the way... Fleury's, I still don't think that's enough. No, I think he's got to play one of three. Fleury's going to get down, only get down to seventy percent, if that. Like that's a lot. I know that. I know that he wins a lot of games, and I know that he's a horse, and you and you can ride him. I, I fully appreciate that. But a team that is pushing to to try and go deep in the playoffs, they've cut the minutes back for Crosby. They've cut the minutes back for Malkin. Kunitz, all the guys that you'd want to cut the minutes back for, they've cut them back. Even Martin's played less minutes this year um, per game. You get there with it and you go, all right, why aren't they doing that for their tender? The one guy that you can't afford to fall over with a fatigue injury or just get tired mentally at the wrong time of the year. And you can't say it doesn't happen because we've all seen it before with other goalies and 
Cleary has his own past. Why make it harder for him? Yeah, and he's you know he started the year really well. Um, the Vesna caliber numbers. Um, not talking about the wins part of it. Talking about actual save percentage. Um, he was doing a really really nice job, and I think it's it's trailed off in the last month or so because I think he's getting overworked. He was way above average with his even strength save percentage. He was in the 935-ish range, and I think he's back down to like 922, league average being 921. So, so is it just natural regression and he was off to a hot start? Is it being overworked? I don't know for sure, but I know that one thing you do have control over is his workload, so you might as well try and, f- you know, do it that way first. The and other, hope that it's not regression. There haven't been a lot of back-to-back games in the Penguin schedule so far this year. There have been quite a lot of two-day gaps between their games through the year. You can make the argument that with that kind of a schedule, there's no need to rest him. I mean, the second half of the year, the Penguins do have a lot more back-to-back games, um, and they have consistently played two different goalies in those games. So they'll put Grice in for the the back-to-backs, whether it's the front end or the back end, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You never, I don't care who your duo is, don't start your goaltenders back-to-back. The thing is... Rice's numbers are good enough that he should be playing more. It's not like they're trying to hold in a, hide in a bu- under Bokov or anything along those lines. He's good enough to play more games. Use him. His numbers are really good amongst the best in the league the last few years. So I, they should not have any reservations about using him more in a backup role. So, I think he plays a lot like Thomas Focoon. Yeah, you were being... And, and it was, so um, give give Fleury some rest. Um, let's find out if him going from 936 even strength to, to 922 is fatigue related. Hopefully it is, and you give him rest and he bumps back up. I tend to think that it's somewhere in between. And you're happy with, with average goaltending with this team? Because I know I am. I am happy with average goaltending because it means that it's not going to bury your team. It'll be more on the players in front. To It'll be on them what happens in the playoffs rather than the goaltending. You never want goaltending to sink you like the Penguins uh, know all too well in the playoffs where you'll lose me with is average goaltending okay is I just, you know, for the millionth time, I don't think you need to pay five and a half million for it. Yeah, that's the the issue there is the cap. But that's done and over with. Correct. And he is playing league average to above average, and that is where they need him to be. Um, And he's there, so that's good. He needs to stay there. He can't regress any further. He He can't go past that average line to below average um, that that would be unacceptable um, if he does you do have a backup that could handle the load but they will never they will never 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 
make that switch if he does go below league average. <laughs> no, but I don't think he's going to go below league average this year. He's he's playing well this year. Uh, the next four years, uh, well, I I can't tell you goal. <laughs> they're not. I don't know. <laughs> I can't can't speak to the next four, but this year, um, posture, angles, um, conservation of movement, it all looks better. But um, I think that's been the biggest biggest change for me is his reduction in his actual movement. Coming back six to six to ten inches towards his his crease, giving him that extra time to go left to right, so he's not having to travel as far. He's not creating holes when he's doing those sorts of things. He's much tighter on the post for wraparounds. I don't think I've seen a, one of those fluky goals bounce in off him when he's been up against the post this year, which he used to get every year. He's been so much better with those things. So that those technicalities look a lot better, but his calmness is much better. You're right. His economy of movement is, is extremely good now, and he doesn't get as fidgety in the net when the, the play's on. I mean, he's like any goalie. They're all fidgety as all hell once the puck stops. But, um, yeah, his economy of movement's much improved. He still can't play the puck worth a damn. <laughs> I did go for a reason. Neither can Grace, though. They both suck. It's not going to throw the team off, then, is it? No. <laughs> They do both suck at playing the puck. But you know what? That's fine. Just go back there very few times you need to. Leave it to a competent defenseman and get your butt back in the crease. Things should work out, you know, quite yeah. well. Um, I guess we covered a lot here, but I just want to throw my love out to David Perron. I love watching him play. It's been... It's like having Alex Kovalev back. It's awesome. It's been a good, it's been a good trade that had basically instant success. They they haven't had too much difficulty clicking and, and getting on the go. So it's funny when you get skill with skill how that works. So it'll be interesting to see if who Melton ends up with when players come back. What was that? It'll be interesting to see who Malpin gets when players come back with a Hornquist goes to Sid's line and Kunitz comes down, or I think he'll get Bo and uh, Hornquist. I think Johnston alluded to that the other day. I don't think you're going to see Kunitz and Perron broken up from Crosby, and you know, quite frankly, um, you'd be crazy to right now. I I don't I think I think any combination of those four wingers with those two centers is going to be or be all right. I don't think you'll do too wrong, but I do think it needs to be those four wingers. Well, you know, I think Bo Bennett has to be one of them. I don't want – if Bo Bennett's healthy, um, I don't want Blake Como to, to steal his top six time. Uh, and I you know, know Como did a great job with Malkin, and that was awesome to find out because if something happens to one of these forwards, you know Como can do it with Malkin, and that's a nice fallback plan. It is one of those things that Penguins traditionally over the last few seasons haven't known that. They haven't sort of found that stuff out. I'll, I'll give Mike Johnson credit in that one of the things that a lot of Penguins fans complained about was it was the same lineup, exactly the same way 
every game, play for the two points, play for every win. I don't think that's been the case this year. This team got off to a great start, did exactly that. Same lineup out there every game. Get the points. Get them in the bank. Then they started having injuries, and I think Johnson's deliberately flipped some players around and played people positions that you know you, you wouldn't think that they would be playing in if it was a full roster to try and find out what they've got. I mean, they have had a bit of a revolving door in the D in regards to they've brought Harrington up, sent him back. They've brought Dumoulin up, sent him back. They've brought Pouliot up, they've sent him back. So he's changing things to see what's going on. And, and I can't fault him for that. Like I've said a few times, no, as soon as they get past the deadline, I'd like to see the roster sort of settle down and sit to... Because you want them to have as much time playing together as you can. So you don't want... At that point, I agree. Yeah. But the tinkering and all that, that's that's cool. Sometimes I don't agree with Same. some of, some of it. But what you can't do is what he's been doing and putting Craig Adams out in the last minute of the, the damn hockey games with Crosby and Malkin on the bench. That's, yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's not tinkering and figuring out stuff. That's just putting a real crappy player out there for the sake of why... Well, particularly there's when, just no reason for it. Particularly when you can um, win a game with the other guys out there. So yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. so I'm, I'm not I'm not too upset with some of the some of the chopping and changing of lines and playing people in certain positions and stuff. But my interest will, will be what happens when Como and Hornquist come back and you get that natural trickle down effect, where who ends up staying in the fourth line and who doesn't. Because it should be that natural lemmings just push them off the cliff and they're out of the lineup. They'll be gotch out. You you just watch. Yeah, and and that's the thing that's a little. Um, it's like it's like you said. There are two players that seem to be free of any repercussions, and it's Adams and Adams and Scuderi. They're the two that most people want out, whether you're an advanced stats guy or a guy that's learning like I am or a guy that just has an eye test. There are a lot of people that just watch Scuderi and, and understand the issues that he can be. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, that David Perron, you hijacked my love fest for him. Sorry. Where do you, where do you watch some of the moves he put on tonight? He dusted Brent Seabrook. Oh, Really? He, he made a sick move in the slot off a bad bounce and deked the pants off of Corey Crawford, and it looked initially like he missed a wide-open net on his deke. But in fact, on the slow-mo replay, he got hooked and they missed the call. Then he had a great shift in overtime where you could make the argument he drew three different penalties, of course, didn't draw any, and he hit the post in the shootout. But he, as someone who loved Alex Kovalev, um, and the funny thing is, David Perron is um, somebody that grew up idolizing Kovalev, which is why he has the skates he does. He's waiting for that to come up. <laughs> and um, this is perfect for me. I love, love, love Alex Kovalev. And uh, seeing David Perron with the, the you know, I'm not going to. Alex Kovalev had some real special hands, but David Perron has all the mannerisms and. Um, the same ability to, to battle for pucks, be strong on the puck, and, and be clever. 
And I just love the fact they traded for this player, and I love the fact that there's a great chance that he's signed for the long term in Pittsburgh, and it'll be fun to watch for a while. And it'd be nice if that happens, to, to get someone in and, and have them stay for a while. I mean, I thought James Neal was, was going to stay, but, you know, he kind of wore out his welcome. And then the, the hosted thing, obviously, as well with him, him bailing was, was a little bit frustrating. So it'd be nice for the Penguins, as a Penguins fan, for them to get someone in and have them want to stay. Yeah. Hey, want to play with Sid? cool <laughs> you know like james neal came in he did a really nice job for a while there um this will be no different except david Perron's not a dirty awful kneeing people in the head kind of guy at least from what i gather yeah that'll really so but yeah all-star break um it looks like evgeny malkin will not be participating in the game because of uh the injury that we don't really know what it is that kept him out of tonight's game. That's fine by me, whatever. I know it probably stinks for the uh, fans in Columbus because he's great personality, obviously awesome skill. The skills competition with Evgeny Malkin would have been fun. But, you know, Penguins got enough injuries to deal with. He's been the MVP of the Penguins, hands down, and I think he is one of the favorites for the Hart Trophy as well. Uh, so hopefully this is just a minor. I reckon he'll get burnt from that. I don't reckon he'll get it because of the the perceived other talent around him. That's why he's won it before. Yeah, I just, played with played with Kunitz and Neil. Yeah, I just I just think that because he's got you know Fleury's had a good start to the year. I think because Crosby hasn't been. Um, poor. Oh, look, I agree with you. But then you get there and look at the other guys because it's the team. It's isn't it determined by the player that's most valuable to his team's success? They don't know. Some people do it that way. Some people vote it as most outstanding. Um, you know, I don't. It may be defined as most valuable to your team, but I'm not so sure everybody votes that way. Well, if they don't vote it that way, then yeah, I think he, he'd be in with a really good shot. Sid's no slouch either. I still predict he'll win the Art Ross Trophy. Yeah, well, he's starting to climb again. Hell yeah, he is. He look he looks good again. I think. I think he's played fine all year, but he's starting to um, attack the opposing defense on rushes a lot more than he was. Trying to split the D, doing all that nice stuff that we saw um, pre-concussion. So I think that'll start to pay off in. Finally, getting him by the goal cage on the power play. That's a good spot for him. That's where he'll score power play goals from. It's looking better. He's not gonna he's not gonna do that from the perimeter. It's looking better that power play, isn't it? And I know they listen, I know they went over what, six against the Flyers. I think that's what the box score said, yeah. Um but having Perron as the right-handed trigger man on the other side, um, with Crosby down low, Malkin at the right, on that right circle with Latang up top and kind of an umbrella setup. Yep. You can use Kunitz or Hornquist, whoever, as that other guy. I mean, it's just a really, I really like what they're doing with it. And over the course of time, they're gonna they're gonna get their share of power play goals if they stay with this um, 
setup. I like it. So hey, just, um, the goals haven't been there just yet, but they will. You just needed to get hot at the right time of the year. Yeah, there's some. Uh, we always say luck. Need luck. Yeah, and, and I, I can't see why they won't get hot at the right time of the year. I think, like you said, the the process is right. So if they stick with the process, they should be fine. Always stick with the process. So, what do you say? I think we're good. Is that it. Cool. Well, if you enjoy the All Star Game, I hope you watch it and enjoy it. If you hate it, I hope you get enjoyment out of talking shit about it. <laughs> um, whatever floats your boat. Um, you know, everybody gets to recharge their batteries. Hopefully, your people from your favorite team, the injuries, they get to heal themselves over this little break. And, no one um, gets hurt at the game. You know, we'll um, we'll catch you next time. Catch ya.